Wonderful today to be able to welcome people to our service. It's just uh, fantastic that you're tuning in. Uh, some of you are close to home and part of our IPC family, and uh, we're pretty clear that there are lots of folks at a distance who are watching as well. So we'd like to welcome you, and uh, to everyone, just hope this will be a time, has been and will continue to be a time when you uh, encounter God, when you um, draw near to Him uh, so that He might draw near to you. Just before I speak, let me pray. Gracious God, uh, it's an incredible privilege to be yours, uh, to be people, our Lord, you've reached out and you've touched us deeply by the work of your Holy Spirit, you've blessed us with faith and opened our eyes to see what we couldn't see before, and uh, you call us your children. Thank you, our God, for this privilege, for this blessing. Uh, we come before you now uh, just to spend time with you, to listen to the word of God, uh, to be shaped by it, to be um, drawn in more fully to the reality of what it means to be yours. So we do pray that you would uh, touch our hearts now. Help us to hear that still, small voice. Help us to know that we have uh, met with God. In this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're beginning a new series today uh, called Singularity. Now, I know that's an odd title, but it grows out of the idea of having a uh, singularly uh, important element in life. Series is about biblical priorities for our lives. Um, the Bible talks about these things and, and talks about how it is that uh, we might place greatest importance in some areas of life and um, as a result, less consequence, less importance in others. And uh, I want to read you the definition of singularity and it's this, the right to... Uh, precede others in order, rank, privilege, or precedent, highest or higher in importance. And there you have it, the idea of what is of greatest importance in life. So a priority, when it's chosen, defines life for us in many ways, helps us to know how to live, helps us to know what to choose and what not to choose as we go. Now this whole idea of, of, of singularity and of priority and so forth has grown out of my awareness that's developed over the last couple of years of the fact that in Scripture, sometimes from Jesus himself, sometimes from other biblical authors and, and characters, uh, they speak of the one thing time and time again. Have never really noticed it in, until recently. Um, they speak of what is the most important they speak of what is to be priority. Now, I don't know what your priorities is, but as we dig into these, uh, these statements of the one thing that we are supposed to give our attention to, live by, uh, give greatest importance to, I want you to think about the, the priorities in your life. What are they? How do they express themselves in your experience? Just consider that and compare them to the things that today, for example, Jesus calls us to. I'm going to start by reading a well-known text, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. I'm going to be reading this from the English Standard Version, version the ESV. It says there, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? 
Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing, there it is, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. See, the one thing here as defined by Jesus, the one thing that is necessary, he said, the one thing another translation says that is needed was chosen by Mary. It's an interesting scenario that we find ourselves in as we jump into this text and sort of imagine what was going in that, on in that home in that day. But really what's, what's happening is that Mary is acting like a disciple. I'm going to define that a little bit more as we go. But let me speak just briefly to what a disciple was then. Very, very literally, it was someone, you know, you can think of the 12 disciples, for example, uh, who, as they had done, had left everything to follow Jesus. Those actually were their words at one point. But they had left their home, the place that they had grown up, the place which, in which they had lived. They had left their family to follow Jesus. They had left good-paying jobs, some of them quite lucrative, some of them less so. But their means of employment, they had left it behind. And as disciples, they had given themselves to leave those things that they might become, listen, essentially the apprentices of Jesus. Um, to, and to, see, to that end, what they were doing was, was following after a rabbi as an apprentice. And they traveled with him, and they lived with him, especially to learn from him, the rabbi, Jesus, so that they could in the end think as he thought, act as he acted, live as he lived. It was a path, if you want to put it that way, that they chose, a significant and important decision that they had taken. And the key to it all was that they would learn what was called in the day the yoke of the rabbi. Uh, that's exactly what Jesus referred to in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, which I'm going to read for you. Famous passage. Listen uh, to what Jesus said uh, in that text. Uh, Matthew 11. He said these things. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the, the, the yoke of, of a rabbi essentially was his essential teaching as distinct from other rabbis. It was what he believed in terms of what it meant to be in a relationship with God. It's what he understood from Scripture and what, what faith was to be all about. It, it was his understanding of being a person of faith and living in this life, understanding God as God had been revealed. Of course, other rabbis had other disciples and they had their own yoke. But what Jesus is doing here is comparing his yoke to that of the Pharisees. Their basic understanding of faith was all about rules and regulations. And people had to obey these rules. They had to, to conform to the regulations that had been devised. Some of them in the Old Testament, many of them not. And as a result, what happened is that these people lived lives that were burdened. You know, come to me who were weary and burdened. It wore people out, trying to live that kind of life that they had been instructed to live. Jesus is contrasting his yoke in this instance. He's saying to, to these people who are listening to them, to him, listen, come to me and embrace my yoke. And, and the essential teaching was not one of legalism and burdensome weariness. 
the essential teaching was about grace and about love and about faith in an incredible God. It was about having people come into the, a relationship with that God whom they could call Father. It was about the reality of people having transformed hearts and minds who had, as the Old Testament predicted, would be the reality someday. The law of God written on their hearts. It was in them. So it was not something that was imposed upon them, something that they had to do that was hard and difficult and a challenge. It's something that rose out of their heart's desire. It was something that they wanted to do. And as a, as a result, Jesus was able to say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not, it's not painful and difficult to follow after me as a result. It's something that you will choose to do with joy. And these people pursued this understanding from Jesus. They had to learn it from him. They had to be with him and listen to him and understand his heart and his mind in order to embrace his teaching. So when Mary sat at, feet, at the feet of Jesus and listened to his words, she was, and this is so important, she was assuming the posture of a disciple. She was choosing the way of an apprentice of Jesus Christ. It was remarkable in that day <clears throat> because women didn't do this at all. Only men did. <clears throat> Women were expected to serve men, literally. That was their role. They were not considered worthy of education or of learning. They were not even thought of as capable of it. And it's no wonder then that Martha, Mary's sister, was just absolutely annoyed with what Mary was doing because she had stepped away from serving and had entered into apprenticing with Jesus, listening, being taught, eagerly seeking the mind of Christ. So we see Mary in that situation. She is eager to learn. She is eager to, to be taught by this one named Jesus. She is eager to have her mind filled with the things of God. She is eager to be with Christ. Now, we don't know what Jesus taught that day to Mary and the other disciples, the other apprentices, was it content from the Sermon on the Mount that he had taught previously? Was, what, is it, was it what he taught to Nicodemus about being born again and that being necessary to enter the kingdom of God? Was it a parable such as the need to, be, um, to sow seed in order for the seed to take root and people's lives to be transformed by the word of God? Was it about exercising the power of God in, in, in performing miracles? Was it about the kingdom of heaven and its great value? the pearl of great value, the treasure that was buried in a, in a field. You know, we have no idea <clears throat> what Jesus was teaching. We really don't. But what we know is that that day, Mary took an extraordinary step, an extraordinary, unusual step <clears throat> to be with Jesus and to know more of his mind and to know more of his heart, to understand his teaching. Now, when confronted by Martha in this situation, Jesus is responsible response is uh, unequivocal you know martha mary has chosen the one thing that is necessary the one thing she has chosen this priority for her life and by implication jesus was saying martha you haven't but your sister has and it will not be taken away from her i will not do that he said See, he affirmed, Jesus affirmed Mary, Mary's radical action um, in what she had done. And there's a ton to learn here. One of them, I think, really interesting is, interestingly is Jesus' view of women. 
so cool because Jesus put women on the level of men in terms of equality and, and capacity and so forth. Um, he literally was 2,000 years ahead of us in his perspectives about women. But beyond that, and specifically in terms of what we're looking at today, he said, make a priority of defining yourself as an apprentice. Make a priority of choosing to prioritize learning my yoke, <laughs> filling your mind and your heart with the thoughts of God as I teach them. Make a priority of simply being with me, Jesus was saying as, as he spoke to Martha and was, of course, overheard by others. See, the reality is that what he is also saying is don't allow distractions to keep you from this singular priority. Um, Martha, of course, had chosen serving over being with Jesus, over being taught by Jesus, over being, over, you know, be, being a disciple. Her priority was, was serving. Her priority was hospitality. Very important element and dynamic in the Jewish culture. And it's so important to note that often our distractions are not bad things. Other priorities are not bad priorities. But what Jesus says, when they become things that you're anxious about and concerned over, so much so that you allow them to become your priority as opposed to what I'm calling you to right now, then they become a problem. There's a confusion of priority. Now think about your priorities. Think about mine. A lot of good priorities in life, aren't there? Family is a priority. We love our kids and we love our spouses and, and so forth. Um, that's a good priority to exercise in life. Our work is a priority. We need to give our time and our attention and our focus to earning a living and doing that job to the glory of God, doing it well. Friendships can be a priority. Exercise for many people is a priority. Keeping our bodies in good shape. Um, even just caring for our homes and all the chores that are required to keep our home in good working, functioning order. Um, these are good things. But again, my friends, when these things get us to a point where they are keeping us from the singular priority that Jesus pointed out in this text, being with him, learning for it from him, being transformed by the words that he speaks, becoming his apprentice, something really off, something wrong in his mind. Jesus comes along in this text and he says, you know, Martha, your sister got it right. She has chosen well. Her priorities are the pri priorities that I would affirm for her life. So essentially, my friends, what we need to do is to make a choice. Um, how are we going to live? Will we choose to live in a, as an apprentice whose preoccupation in life is to learn from Jesus to be in his presence, to hear his voice speaking into our lives time and time and time again so that we become like him, so that we start to think and act and speak and live as he thought and acted, spoke and lived. How are we going to live? And let me tell you, just to reaffirm the point, to serve Jesus is not, as Martha was, is not more important than this. To be in the service of Christ cannot be given greater priority in our lives than being with him and apprenticing as his disciple. Now I want to tell you, 
Um, I deal with this dynamic all the time in my life. I have been a follower of Jesus for a long time. Uh, but I still deal with this. Uh, I think I'm like a lot of people. I, I lean toward, I tend toward the idea of activity and accomplishment. Uh, there's, there's something that uh, I just value in it. Uh, there's something at the back of my mind that keeps telling me, wrongly, but it keeps telling me that that is more important than sitting quietly and listening to Jesus and his words. It's there. Um, I, I, I live with the reality of having a ministry, a job, a vocation, a calling, where I never get everything done. There's always more to do. You may be in a similar place. I think many of you are. There are always more uh, sermons to write. There are always more emails to respond to. There are always more meetings to get to or people to engage. Always. And I get up in the morning. This is, this is the reality. I get up in the morning and I have my breakfast and I have a choice to make. Will I begin my day sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words, listening to his teaching, as the text says? Being with him, being apprenticed by him, having him present in my life, speaking into my life by his word, scripture? Or will I, will I get at the job because, man, I got to get that sermon written and maybe it's not coming together very well this week, but Sundays are coming and I, my goodness, I'm getting anxious and I'm concerned. I need to get at it or whatever the case might be. Well, what Jesus is saying here, you know what? <clears throat> you can be anxious and concerned about many things, Martha and Chris and whoever we might be listening today. That can be the reality of your life. But don't allow that anxiety and those demands to become the priority of your life. Don't allow them to take precedence or have a higher place than you meeting with me. You sitting with me in quietness, hearing me speak into your life by my word through the work of the Holy Spirit so that you know my thoughts, so that you can start to act as I act, so that you can long for the things that I long for, so that you can live the way I live. I need you to, to be my apprentice so that you might become as I am, Jesus is saying. And just by the way, what I want to suggest to you in those times when I'm wise and I go to Christ first, in spite of the demands and the challenges of my day, when I put this as my greatest priority, remarkably, and I'd say miraculously, everything else just seems to fall into place easily, far more easily than it would have otherwise because I've been caught up into this relationship with God and the Lord moves by his spirit and he acts and he intervenes and he accomplishes things <clears throat> on my behalf uh, in a beautiful, remarkable way. Have you lived that dynamic? I'm sure many of you have. See, the thing that Jesus is teaching here is, is really critical for us. And what he is saying is prioritize me. Make me your priority in life. I am the one necessary thing. Time with me is. Take that time. And, and he's saying, learn from me. Become like me. Every day of your life. Because you are my apprentice. Focus on learning from your master. Fill your mind with the truths of God. You see it? This is the call of Jesus to us. You know, Martha, 
going back to the story, she could have sat down with Mary and spent precious time with the Son of God. She could have spent time listening to the one who was with God the Father at the point of creation. She could have spent time with the one, it says in, the, in, in Scripture, who, uh, who, who made all things and the one for whom all things were made. He was sitting right there in her home. She could have sat down with the one who was all wise and all knowing and all powerful. But instead, she gave herself to cooking and to hospitality. Not bad things in themselves, but the wrong decision at the time. And when she asked Jesus about it, he just said no. No, your sister's got it right. And in saying that to, to Martha, in communicating that to Mary, he communicates it to us today. Don't miss this opportunity to be in the presence of the living God. Now, how do we do that? Yeah, some of it's pretty simple and straightforward. I, I think what you're doing right now is doing it. Make a priority of worshiping God. Make a priority of worship, my friends. Jesus, God has designed it this way where we get quiet in his presence and we listen to his words and we are transformed by the work of his Holy Spirit and we become like Jesus. Your devotional life. Uh, engage the same dynamic in your home. Meet the Lord Jesus in that place. Read his word Dig into it. Deepen in your understanding and knowledge of it. Let him shape you and change you. Let him apprentice you. Listen, these two activities, worship and a devotional life, are critical components in the apprenticing experience. You don't finish the role of the apprentice without these two engagements, these activities. Just, it just doesn't happen. And let me say this. Beyond that sort of activity, can I, can I suggest to you the need for a deeper study of the Word of God? Be intentional about digging deeper into the Bible and into the words of Jesus. You see how this is, and we've quoted it often recently, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. This is it. This is it. And there are so many ways this can happen. You know, I popped into our library just before <clears throat> I came to speak. And, I, and in about a minute, well, a minute and a half, maybe less, I picked out these books. It's right here. It's been here for years. The Mystery of the Holy Spirit by R.C. Sproul. Dig into an understanding of who the Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit works in your life. What about this one? The Case, the, the case for Christ by Strobel. This is apologetics. This is developing a... Uh, and understanding the logical, rational arguments for the faith, why we believe what we believe. Beef up on that. There's so much there that we need to know. How about this one? Abba's Child by Brendan Manning. Brendan Manning, sorry. Uh, the cry of the heart for intimate belonging. You want, you want to really come to a place where you understand who you are as a child of God and move into that intimacy with God? You know, there's a book you can read, but you've got to read the book and it'll deepen your understanding. How about this one? I love to see this. This is one, of, one volume of five based on the Gospel of John uh, by James Montgomery Boyce, The Coming of the Light. All of this, chapters one to four of John, 
Talk about digging deeper and learning more and understanding the way of Jesus, the mind of Jesus, the truth of God. You know, we have to ask ourselves, why is it, and we've talked in recent years, not recently, but why is it that the church in North America is biblically illiterate? This idea of studying scripture isn't, isn't given place so much anymore. It doesn't, it's not given prominence. My friends, this text that I've read to you today, this text I'm teaching you about today, it is an invitation to deeper understanding. It is an invitation to learning the mind of God and digging into Scripture at a deeper level so as to know Jesus, so as to become like him, so as to really become his apprentice. Well, some of you might think, well, books are fine. And some of you, you know, like me, I, I love a book. You know, I love this. But Many might think that's old school. Well, here's what I did. Just yesterday, I sat down at the computer and I Googled this. Um, teaching on Luke 10, 38 to 42. And immediately what popped up was Bible.org. It's a great site that I reference. Uh, it's wor one worth going to. But it said this, Lesson 52, The One Necessary Thing. And, and right there was this great article, a bit lengthy, but full of content about the meaning of this text. I would think you can do that with most biblical passages and you will get great teaching that will help you sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his words. Dig deep. Grow further into a reality of an understanding of knowing what it means about who he is and what God's doing in this world, how we can engage that. Hey, what about podcasts? There are dozens and dozens and dozens of podcasts that you can tap into. Just a couple. There's one called Ask N.T. Write Anything. N.T. Wright is probably one of the preeminent New Testament Paul, Pauline scholars about the Apostle Paul in the world. And he uh, has a podcast where he's interviewed for about half an hour about questions that people send into him. We have access to that man's mind and his understanding, his deep understanding of, of Scripture and the things of God. There's another one called Unbelievable. It's from England and there are other ones similar, but they also are about apologetics, helping us understand why we believe what we believe so that we can defend the faith in a gracious and but godly manner podcasts are numerous and abundant in terms of uh, of teaching by the way a lot of this has been included in your email that uh, that uh, you received saturday so you don't need to write all this down it's there for you, you can go back and and reference it and, and find some of this detail um and you know very simply beyond that just going to the great teachers of our of our uh, day. Timothy Keller and R.C. Sproul and John Piper and so many other fantastic, informed, godly people who can help us go deeper, who can help us grow in our understanding, who can help us become apprentices of Jesus. But I want to tell you something, and it's clearly identified in this text. This is something, if we're going to do, that we must choose. Mary, Mary chose. Martha did the expected thing. She did what was normal. It was Mary who stepped out and did the exceptional, uh, made the exceptional decision by choosing the priority uh, that Jesus honored. It takes time. It takes intention. Listen, if you're going to be, be an apprentice to become a, an electrician, you've got you to go out and you've got to work with a, an electrician. You've got to watch that man or woman do his or her work. You've got to learn from that person so as to be taught 
so as to become an electrician. Same with a carpenter, same with a plumber. You've got to put the time in. You've got to do the work. You've got to watch. You've got to listen. You've got to learn. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is inviting you to be his apprentice. See, when Jesus was apprenticing his people in Luke chapter 10, he knew he had three years, no more. He knew that his time was short, and he knew that he needed to build into people that they might think like him, that they might learn to act like him, that they might become like him, have his heart for the kingdom. Because when he was gone, it was they who would carry on his work. In the end of the day, what this comes down to is who are we in our own minds? And I thought maybe this might be a, a healthy challenge to end with today. How do you think of yourself as a believer? Someone who believes in Jesus? You know, sincerely and honestly, you've come to know and, and believe that Christ died on the cross for your sin and that he rose again from the dead and he's Lord of, of, of all and he'll come again to judge the living and the dead. All these things you believe. It's good to believe. But my friends, do you understand yourself as an apprentice of Jesus? Someone who is to become like him. Someone who is to enter into the life that he lived to do ministry, to engage the world as he did, to see the will of God done. As others come to faith in Jesus, um, as, this, as this world is transformed by justice and righteousness that flow from the throne of God. My friends, I'm here to tell you, if you are a, a believer in Jesus, you're called to be his apprentice, to make a, the decision that Mary made, um, to choose that priority for your life, to not allow the distractions of other priorities and other anxieties and concerns to keep you from this one necessary thing. My friends, today, one sermon out of four, I believe, I'm challenging you with singularity. Uh, the, the singular focus of getting into his presence and listening to him as he speaks so as to become like him. Will you do that? Will you embrace the call of Jesus, choose the priority that he gives, and live as he lived? Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, again, a challenge, a beautiful, wonderful challenge, which is opportunity for each one of your people to, to seriously consider and Lord, we know you've given us many important tasks to perform, responsibilities with family and with work and otherwise. And there are lots of opportunities and priorities that we do have in this life. But Lord, today, your message, your word, Lord Jesus, what you have spoken to us as we have sat at your feet listening to your words, it's clear that the priority that you call us to is our time with you, our learning from you, our being with you. God, I pray that every person who is listening to these words, whether they're part of the IPC family or whether they're not, that they will move toward this step by step and they'll discover the beauty and the wonder and the, the magnificence and the goodness of being with you so as to become like you. Lord, give us the grace and the wisdom to put this at the center of our lives, to make it our priority, higher above others, that we might know you, we might hear from you, that we indeed might become like you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.